0: highly profiled entrepreneur, executive, and elite matchmaker for the last decade, but it hasn't been easy. My story of entrepreneurial success is one of staggering obstacles I've had to overcome. From not graduating high school to having no financial resources when creating my first company, to losing my sister and best friend to cystic fibrosis. I was able to overcome these struggles to launch and scale numerous companies. As a result, I've had the opportunities to work with some of the world's most inspiring people, and I want to share them with you. This is Mind Your Business. So thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me on.
1: It's been a pleasure just chatting with you over Instagram DMs.
0: Yeah. Now you are an influencer.
1: Tell us about yourself. What does that entail? What do you do? So I am basically a content creator online. So I create a lot of different blog posts, Instagram posts, YouTube videos, all the good things on the different social media networks, depending on what a specific brand wants. Okay. Other side of it. So there's a lot of brand partnerships. And then the other side is affiliate marketing. So things that I'm trying on my own, whether it's skincare, beauty, whatever I may be testing in the kitchen, recipes, I share all of that online and people either decide to try it out for themselves or they give me other recommendations. So it's basically just having a community online. And it's so much more than having just taken a photo of a latte. A lot of people think, you know... (laughs) You know, it's just taking a quick little photo with your cell phone, and it's so much more than that because when you are working with brands, it's a business. You have to be a professional, you have to know how to write an email. Mm-hmm. You really need to understand the corporate world as well in order to be taken seriously. And I think that's a big element that's definitely missing in the space, mm-hmm. but don't get me wrong, it's really fun going on amazing trips and sharing your own yes. life is a really good time. So what's the the main platform that you use? Instagram is definitely Instagram. the main one that yeah. I've used. Yeah. And mm-hmm. how many followers do you have on there? It's in the 650,000 wow. range now. Mm-hmm. So it's taken about seven years to build that up through various methods. I've done a lot of giveaways because I get so many press okay. products sent to me. There's a lot of beauty, you know, there's a lot of, Clothes sometimes for some reason a fashion brand thinks that I'm a size small. Bless (laughs) them. (laughs) But a small definitely can't fit. I actually just told my assistant today. I was like, I have some new really really cute leggings for you because I don't think this will fit over my foot. (laughs) Like extra small. I don't know why, but sometimes you know you get sent a lot of the wrong sizes. So I do a lot of giveaways. I just want to give back, and then there's always cash prizes, giving away an iPhone, you know, all of that stuff. So it's been a lot of back and forth because I think if people in today's day and age, there's we're so busy. We're always running from place to place. Mm-hmm. If you take the time to interact with me or send me an email or respond to my newsletter, why not give something back to you That's because amazing. you've already invested a lot of your time into whatever it is I'm doing. So I'm really, really big about giveaways and just getting rid of a lot of the things that I get because I can't use all the skincare. There's not enough face <laughs> for all the products. So when you signed up
0: for Instagram
1: originally, were you thinking of it as a potential business opportunity? No, I was actually using Instagram. In the very beginning, using those awful filters, if you remember like the toaster <laughs> filter and like where it turns your entire picture, like this bright orange. Yes. I was just doing it back then for I'm pretty fun sure and me and my friends would so. want to, yeah, we all used it back then, back in like mm-hmm. 2010, 2011, where our whole face was just orange. Or it was like yes. a competition between your friends who could look more tan with the filter. <laughs> So at what point did you think, okay, like this could actually be my job? I think it was in 2016, 2014. I started to make a little bit of money. I think I got my first like $50 deal. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I was like, I was talking to my fiance. I was like, oh my gosh, $50. You know, it was (laughs) so exciting that it was, you know, finally a thing. And I've worked so hard. I stayed up really late. A lot of the time, just writing blog posts, and so in 14, I thought, okay, there's some money to be made here. And I was still thinking it's totally a hobby. There's no way this could be a business because back then it was really Michelle Phan and Zoella were the only ones in the beauty space making any money. And they had, oh. you know, six, 7 million YouTube subscribers. Wow. And yeah. YouTube was really the way to make money because you got paid per view. Mm-hmm. So if a million people watch your video, you're getting a nice paycheck every month. Mm-hmm. So... That's when I just started to see a little bit of money, but it was in 2016 where I truly felt that this could be my job because every year since 2014, I had tripled the amount of money I had made. And obviously when you start with know, with $10,000, it's not a big deal. But when you start seeing that incremental increase, it starts to make you more confident. And then Mm -hmm. you start to focus more time into it, knowing that there is this potential output because really... The more that I pitch myself to brands, the more potential money I can make. It's kind of like being a salesperson. If you go sell a lot more, you're gonna get more commission. It's the same concept. So for me, it was just I would put more time into it. And so it was that time frame that I realized this is possible and then, exactly one year ago today, I actually left the corporate world and decided wow. to pursue this full time. So it's weird that it's been a year. I know I told you that and I'm like, it's still <laughs> kind of strange that it's already been a year because it feels like it's flown by, but it also feels like it's been a really long year. Yeah. It's really hard to explain because I've worked so hard and I've stayed up even later than I used to, because now that it's my business, I'm going to put all mm-hmm. my time and effort and passion into it. And so, yeah, it's been a year since I left. And, and what did you two do signs. before that? Before that, I was in tourism marketing. So tourism marketing. what we did is we did technological, like techie solutions for destinations. So okay. for example, a city, a state, country, those would be our clients. And then we would build our websites and then do the CRM database that supports the website on the back end. And then we also did, you know, SEO, PPC, all the advertising on YouTube and Google. So I had a nice marketing background just coming from that. So I kind Mm -hmm. of understood how can I utilize YouTube ads? How can I utilize Google ads? How can I pay Facebook and Instagram and basically boost my posts? So I had a little bit of that, which I think helped me. But the thing that I really feel was the reason I decided to switch over. And it's really hard. I have a lot of people who message me every day and say, when did you know it was time to just Mm -hmm. leave your corporate job? Mm -hmm. And it's really different for everybody. But I will say the difference between someone who is comfortable and someone who is always looking for the next thing, who's really a hustler and entrepreneur wants to, you know, take on a leap of faith and have that risk is making that decision. That is literally the thing that separates us. We are always, as an entrepreneur, I've literally added on multiple things now that I do on the side and I help other businesses grow. I'm doing so many other things on top of just my own brand. That big of a network, you can utilize that
0: to grow and do so many things. But then I know- thing
1: I found is really helpful. I know you probably feel the same way is when you try to do a new venture, now you know you've built this network It's not like you're starting from zero. You will Mm -hmm. always have people who will follow you to the next thing. And that really makes it easier to start the next thing.
0: Mm -hmm. 100%. And
1: I know with uh, one of the businesses that I own, it's called True Glue and it's a
0: beauty company. And that was the way that we scaled that was we would send back in 2014 free product to all different influencers and Mm -hmm. in exchange for them posting about it. And it worked. It was amazing just, I couldn't believe it. We still do it to this day. Actually, we send it out, but yeah, it was shocking <laughs> back then, especially. And even now a lot of like our clients in the marketing world don't understand exactly the power with it. Or, you know, they'll say like, why would we pay for that? Yeah. Because they don't see what they can actually get from it. Yeah. Or, you and know, that's wouldn't they the... just be happy with free product? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, these influencers get so <laughs> so much free product, like Yeah, and the product
1: is very overwhelming at this point. Actually, a Canadian YouTuber talked about this last year or two years ago. I can't remember about just the waste and the general yes. obsessive amount of products that we get. And I didn't have a recycling bin last year. When we mm-hmm. moved into our new house, we finally got that. But I would literally look for parking lots that had a recycling bin because I could not. Wow. I felt guilty throwing all of these boxes and paper and all this waste that's in each of these packages into a trash can, knowing that it needs to be recycled. Cause a lot of it is recyclable. You know, the outside box, the inside, like the little paper things that just end up everywhere (laughs) a week later, you're like, why did they send this like confetti stuff in here? (laughs) But I mean, it's a lot of waste and to send me 50 shades of one foundation is ridiculous. But I also see the press side because they want you to say, okay, we're very inclusive. We have 50 shades. Mm -hmm. It'll be for everybody and they want you to share that with your audience so I get that side of it however I don't know yeah. what to do with 50 shades of foundation I don't we have, actually like, found, on every color spectrum <laughs> we found something
0: really neat a few months ago and it was these packages that are made from dirt they're mailers and boxes that whoa yeah they're whoa. made from compost and after you get the, the package and you're done with it you can just bury it in your garden and it decomposes that's really cool. Mm-hmm. See, so that's really good marketing. Those. Yes, <laughs> that's good marketing. And it says on it, "I'm a dirt bag."
1: <laughs> that's so from dirt.
0: cute too. That's really, mm-hmm. really good marketing. They have different sayings and whatnot on it, which I think is super important. And I hope
1: eventually that everyone will start moving in that direction. Yeah, I hope so too. And like I said, I've kind of asked for certain brands not to send me their product because I'm just not interested. I don't yes. know sometimes how they get my information. But I also feel guilty sometimes giving that to somebody else because if Mm -hmm. I don't want to use it, why would I give that to anybody? You know what I mean? Why would I give that to my Mm -hmm. friend or a follower if I'm not even wanting to use it? That doesn't make somebody excited. Mm So some of those brands I've just said, please don't, (laughs) let's just just not do the PR packages anymore. So now
0: 600,000 is a lot of people. Do you find, like, do you get recognized?
1: No, I mean, that happens very rarely. And it happens in like really big cities. It happened once in LA. I'm Mm -hmm. from LA. So somebody Mm -hmm. knew me because it was like their cousin had told them I went to high school with them. And so they were following me. Mm -hmm. And that was like a very small world moment, like family connection. And then New York City is actually one of my top cities. So ah. that happened once in New York city. <laughs> and I was like, I felt so cool. Cause New York city, is <laughs> there's so many people there. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. how did you recognize me from across the street? So that was cool. But otherwise it's not the same element as like being like a, you know, a Kylie Jenner or one of the Kardashians here. If somebody mm-hmm. saw them, you know, everybody around would be like, Oh my gosh, that's them. It's, I think it's, different because every time I've even met an influencer person, it's kind of like meeting the girl next door. It's like you've taken her recommendations and you, you've you kind of follow your friend. Yeah. It's course. not like a fangirly type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like celebrities, people really fangirl. Whereas for me, I send voice messages. I send video messages. Um, I'll DM people back. It's really just like, maybe not even girl next door. It's more like your sister. You just feel so comfortable. It's like your older sister telling you, like, wash your face every night and mm-hmm. use this mask, you know, once a week. It's that type of relationship. So it's not as like, oh my gosh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Have you had any scary situations? Yeah, there's been a couple situations where it's either... It's always a creepy man, but creepy yes. men, you 100%. can never get away from them ever. It doesn't matter what you post. You post a photo of your makeup and they start like saying, oh, I see you in the yes. grocery store. And you're like, you're not here. There's literally nobody in the grocery store. You're mm-hmm. like creepy things. There was once a time where... I had somehow offended somebody, which I'm not surprised. I'm very like, I kind of shoot off the hip with a lot of things I say, you know, I, I feel like sometimes I should filter it a little bit, but then what's the fun in that, That's you know, mm-hmm. if I have to think too hard about yourself. what I'm saying. Exactly. It's like, if I have to like, think about everything I'm going to say, then I'm not going to be myself. And so this girl had somehow gotten offended. And she basically told me that if she ever saw me in Tucson, which is the town I live in that she would like punch me in the throat. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll be on the lookout for you type of wow. So I, I basically <laughs> screenshotted that. I sent it to all my friends. I was like, if anybody ever sees her, you let me know not to be there. So mm-hmm. there's been people who get offended like that, but usually people aren't aggressive. They're usually just mean. And the one thing that I get the most is about how crooked my bottom teeth are. Because Uh. when you do like stories and it like the camera's kind of pointing down, Mm -hmm. you can see that my bottom teeth are crooked. And it's because I didn't wear a retainer, should have listened to my mom when I was younger (laughs) and worn it after braces. But um, that's like the most common thing. And honestly, at that point, it's really not a Reflection of me, it's a reflection of that person because teeth are fixable, your ugly personality is not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so kind that kind of makes you feel that. like, does it? It doesn't make me feel bad. I mean, I can fix my teeth if I want to, I yeah. just kind of think that it's at work. Teeth too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if that's what's bothering people rather than what I'm saying, I'm mm-hmm. doing pretty good, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because physical things. I think they're just so arbitrary. If you mm-hmm. don't like my nose, good for you. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to change my nose because five people told me, you know, I have a big nose. It's silly. It's really how you feel about yourself that should be the thing that makes you want to change it if you want to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's funny. Yeah,
0: I've got a lot of male followers on my page just based on the industry because my first company—that's oh, true, yeah—modeling agency, right? That I started ten years ago. So as a result of that, I have a lot of male followers, and for the most part. They're all really nice. But yeah, some of them judgmental. Like, I don't like that. I don't like when you wear this. I don't like when you wear that. And it's like, I'm not Completely here for your to, opinion. <laughs> yes. It's not my job to look appealing for you. Like, right. I don't owe you pretty. I don't owe you attractiveness. As much as, you know, you get used to it and you brush it off. Still, sometimes it's like we're human and it, it can hurt sometimes. I did have a situation... Not too long ago, with a guy, uh, he was a bit of a stalker, and I had to actually call the police. Oh wow. He was messaging me nonstop, and, and that was fine. I just I don't, answer, I don't open those messages, but then he started calling my phone, started calling my office line and leaving like violent messages on the machine. Um like tell the f and see who owns the company she'd better call me back, and then we found his Instagram, and he had taken photos of me and like taken them apart, like edited my head, and like had me like disappearing. And- like crazy Uh, freaky yeah Yeah. so at that point I was like okay yeah I mean I I love a lot of the followers and I love putting myself out there but it's like at some point it's like whoa they feel like they know you that that you owe them access to everything that you owe them a phone call you owe them a chat so now what I'm curious about is did you have money saved when you quit your job yes oh you did
1: oh yeah Yeah, it was something we had planned for, for actually a long time, because when you know you're passionate about something, you know, you have to do it at some point. It's just Mm -hmm. the decision of when you're going to make that leap of faith. And so we had saved money and then it was a decision we both made together, but I had you and your boyfriend. Yeah. So me and my fiance made that decision, like in that time period. And so I remember there was two things that I had saved up enough money. And I said, if I make this amount of money this year. I will leave this job because it's more than what I'm making in the corporate world. It just doesn't have oh, wow. to do too. Mm-hmm. So I have to do this because I'm not getting any sleep. I'm trying to work out. I, at that time, I was also training for a marathon. Wow. What on earth was I thinking? <laughs> so between friends, having a fiance, trying to do a marathon and two full-time jobs, really, mm-hmm. I was just really stretched too thin. And I thought this is the time to make this decision. And there were two trips, two paid opportunities that came up. One was with the brand and another was with the destination marketing organization that wanted to pay me to go to their destination, go to like the museums and their breweries and all this fun stuff. And it was in that time that I said, I have literally no more PTO. My boss has already given me more PTO than he should have this year. Mm -hmm. I can't ask for any more PTO. So it's either I take these two opportunities and do this now, And just see where it goes because the corporate world's not going anywhere. I can go back into a job down the road. It's no big deal. And I thought I either do this now or I will just have to really put this on the back burner and focus on my corporate career. So we made that decision in that moment that we would take the leap of faith and I would go do this and see what happens. And after a year, it's been even more successful than it was before because I put 100% of the time I do have for other things, you know, because when you think about it, your time is really broken into segments. You have mm-hmm. your relationships, you have your family, you have um, your job, you have your pets, you have your home, you have all these errands you have to run. So when you get down to it, really about 40 to 50% of your time is spent working. And if my previous 40 to 50% was split between two jobs, I really wasn't giving either one my full attention. So giving it the full attention has really fostered a lot of new things. And I've been able to focus on more content creation, which is what I always wanted. I didn't want to just focus on doing both and then trying to create, you know, content in the middle of the night. (laughs) Because you know, there's typos and all these things happen when you're trying to get something done at midnight. Versus spending the day thinking about what am I going to do and then getting it all together. So Mm -hmm. it's just been a very good thing that I left. And now I wish I had left sooner. (laughs) Yeah. Is your fiance an influencer? No, he actually works. We met at my old corporate job. So he still works Uh, for that company. Yeah. So when we first started dating, we didn't tell anybody for a few months because we're like, is this going to be a thing? (laughs) You don't want to fail in front of like 200 colleagues. So when we realized, okay, this is going to be a thing, like we're going to be official, (laughs) our directors did not care. They just said, you're in two totally different departments. As long as neither one of your work ever falters, we don't care. Mm -hmm. And so that worked out. But um, yeah, he's he's still doing that. And I think it's good because tourism is such an amazing industry. And right now that our economy is in a pretty steady place, a lot of people are traveling. So there's a lot of business being thrown into tourism. Mm -hmm. And as you know, influencers have done so much for tourism too. I use this example all the time. Nobody knew what the Maldives were five years ago. You take three influencers to the Maldives and now everybody is going there. They have brought more and more people out there. We all want to go to the Maldives now, but literally nobody knew about it. I had no idea that it was off the coast of India five years ago. And now I'm like, I know exactly where it is. I know how long the flight is from the mainland to like, it's crazy how much information you get because We're all consuming it on social media. We're consuming it on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. And it's just crazy how that's even helped tourism overall. So are you a photographer? No, I'm I'm definitely not a photographer. I take some product shots if Mm -hmm. I have to, but most photos are taken of me as a subject. So someone else is always behind the lens. Mm -hmm. I've had a really good time finding photographers in different area codes. So I have like a New York city photographer. I have my LA photographer, San Francisco photographer, London photographer. Mm -hmm. Um, I've kind of found like the person I really like in each one. And then Aaron takes a lot of my photos as well. So if I need to do any campaign things, he takes the photos here in town, product shots, all of that. So I don't think you could be a really good influencer without good imagery and you need someone who can help support you. There's been women tell me that they use tripods and I think that's also amazing and very empowering. Mm-hmm. But I feel more comfortable when there's somebody, like I show them what I'm looking for. I give them, you know, examples. <laughs> this is what we're going for. We need a close up of this. We need a close up of that. And then they shoot it. That's really how I've found the most success. Do you find people react more to the actual
0: image or to the caption that you write with it?
1: I think the images for sure. One of my most recent ones was at the Grand Canyon Mm -hmm. and I was standing kind of close to the tip, but it wasn't really the tip. It's just an illusion. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like multiple layers of like rock below that Mm -hmm. tip, but it kind of looked like the very edge. And that was really powerful, I think, because it's such an amazing backdrop Mm-hmm. There's really nothing people can say. I mean, my caption was kind of funny. I said, here's to the weekend, make it grand. But, <laughs> but, but I think people just respond. I saw a lot of people saying like, oh my gosh, you're so close to the edge. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think that the image really speaks more. I do find depending on your audience, obviously and um, the age and the maturity level, there are girls who do a really good job and post like, Five or six paragraphs of their caption. Mm -hmm. And I used to be that person. And then I went more to like two paragraphs or like a full paragraph. And now I'm kind of in between of like maybe one, two sentences. And then sometimes if something's really meaningful, come up with a caption. But it's really hard to write something deep and insightful every time you post if you're posting every single day. So if anybody expected me to write a paragraph or two every day, like, not happening. <laughs> it's funny because I was trying to, you know, put more
0: time into my posts and I was really taking time to write things. And then the other day I looked back at the analytics of everything and the ones where it was just a short, little, tiny caption got way more engagement and way more follows as a result. Than the, yeah. the big
1: one. Yeah. I think sometimes it's based on people's time and the amount of time if they see a really long caption they're like I'm not even going to like this or engage because I have to invest more time mm-hmm. and I have to really want to read it versus if it's just a one-liner they see it and they're like haha that's kind of cute like the photo and honestly I felt the same way too there's been times where I see somebody wrote like where it says long caption alert I'm like oh nope yeah <laughs> not today. Yeah, I do the same thing too <laughs> sometimes I when I today. see it's,
0: it's huge and long. I'm just like, nope, not happening. It
1: depends on like the time of day, what you're doing, how busy your day is. Like it's really based on mood. It's not a reflection of the person per se, but analytics will tell you otherwise. It's just really the time and age we live in. Our attention span is so short. <laughs> mm-hmm. So do you love what you do? I do. I can't complain. I told someone recently, you know, when everyone gets together for the holidays or you have an event Everyone's just complaining and saying my boss sucks and mm-hmm. oh, work is such a drag. I stay silent. <laughs> it's a double edged sword for me because if I ever do say anything and complain like, Oh my gosh. I got these shoes and they were in a size seven and I'm a size nine and a half. They're like, oh, boo-hoo, Adam, really? You got (laughs) shoes sent to you. So I can't complain because it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. People are like, shush. Like you have it really good. So what is your target? Like where do you want to go with this? That's something that I'm still trying to finalize because I have a lot of ideas and Mm -hmm. I have a full team that supports me. And we've talked about where we want to go next. And someone that's been really inspiring in this sense is Caitlin Bristow, who is a fellow Canadian um, Mm -hmm. on your end. She basically has a brand. She's been an influencer for years and she gained all this fame from The Bachelor. But she's really done a great job of being an entrepreneur. She has her scrunchie line. Now she's got a wine label. Mm -hmm. She's got all of these avenues. And I'm in the place now where I'm trying to figure out what is it that I want to create because I love so many things. I love traveling. I love skincare. Skincare is a really big passion of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, I do like makeup, but I'm not... I've always been like the natural makeup girl, like Mm -hmm. something for a woman on the go. Like we're not spending an hour doing 17 Mm -hmm. eyeshadows. Nobody's got time for that, you know, like... Makeup artistry is just not my forte and I just don't have the time for it. So I've thought, you know, I love skincare. I love traveling. I love wine. I love old fashions. I'm trying to like figure out, you know, I love so many things. Where does that take me? And what am I, what do I want to stay up at night thinking about and making it better until it's, you know, it's a business and it can be Mm -hmm. sufficient on its own. It's just, I'm in that phase of trying to figure out what that is for me. And like I said, there's a lot of ideas. (laughs) Do you ever worry
0: that like, what if you woke up tomorrow and Instagram had closed?
1: The thing about that, and this is why I love that I'm more well-rounded than a lot of influencers. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of girls who say that they're bloggers, but they don't have a blog. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) So for me, I have so many like networks that Mm -hmm. it would have to take every single social network down in order for me not to have like at least some kind of audience somewhere. Because I'm on Twitter, I'm on Pinterest, I have my blog, I have a YouTube channel. I joined TikTok. Oh, you Gosh. did? Oh. So I don't get... Yeah, the, TikTok, to... is that where you like... You, you lip sync? Is that what it is? I mean, <laughs> that's actually a good way to describe it, honestly. That's part of it, but it's a lot of like challenges. Um, okay. The one that I actually really want to do, but listen, I'm such a clean germaphobe type of person. I want to do like where you keep pouring into a cup until somebody else in the room notices that your like cup is overflowing. People do this with milk. Oh. It's just so funny but I don't want to clean up the milk. after, <laughs> so I'm like, can I borrow my friend's house for this? <laughs>
0: That's so there's just like
1: fun challenges that people do and it's entertaining to watch. And it's just crazy how you go on there and it's like 20, 30 minutes passes and you're like, what just happened? Why am I still watching these? But they are a little, they're addicting because mm-hmm. it's like 30 seconds here and there. But lip syncing is a good one. Cause there's a lot of that too. And then they do like a little, you know, dance, yeah. they're doing something fun. But what um, it's definitely for a younger demographic. It's, it's even younger sure. than my brother, who is 21. He's like, oh, wow. oh that's like 13 to 17. Oh, so it's wow. like, if you want to start marketing- Are people monetizing that at all? Yes. There's a lot of brands that are already monetizing on there, but it has to make sense for a 13 to like 17, 18 year old audience. Yes. So, so how do they go about that? Too Faced and Benefit Cosmetics have already been- advertising on there. Because when you're dealing with like a 14 year old, they're just getting into makeup Mm -hmm. and mommy and daddy are buying everything. So if they want to pay, you know, 20 bucks for a mascara or an eyeshadow at Ulta, that's the perfect person to actually target at that age group. And then you also want to get people younger. I think that's the thing where social media has also changed the way brands market. If like, let's just say some of these old timers, like Dove and Pantene and trust me, really wanted to do this right they should be targeting the 13 year olds the 10 to 13 year olds because if they start using it now in 20 30 years they're still going to be a, a fan of the brand and i think. That's why some of these brands like Too Faced and Benefit are really thinking this through because they, these brands want to be around in 50 to 100 years. So why not market to people who are going to live another 50 to 100 years? Mm-hmm. It makes sense from that element. But then there's brands you know, like a Louis Vuitton or a Burberry. Why, why on earth would they market to a 13-year-old? A mm-hmm. 13-year-old isn't going to be able to afford that for a while. But there's still this element of marketing that should be marketed to the younger generations because you have to insert those little C's into their mind. Mm -hmm. Maybe if they see a Louis Vuitton bag now, they'll want one when they're 20 or 21 and it's a birthday gift that, you know, they got. So I don't know. There there's definitely both sides I see, but there's a lot of brands already monetizing that platform and using some of the influencers on there who Went viral after one video. They do a little dance, a little boogie, and then they have 100,000 followers. It's crazy. Wow. Now you're an influencer. And then those people, there's a very small percentage that actually converts over to Instagram. I've done a little bit of research on this. Mm -hmm. I've gone to the people who are very famous on TikTok and gone to their Instagrams, and it's usually, I would say, maybe like a 10% conversion rate at most. So if they have, let's say, 220,000 followers on TikTok, they have about 10% of that audience over on Instagram. And we know bigger brands and a lot of money is going into Instagram. So even that kind of helps them monetize because they can monetize TikTok where those deals are few and far in between. They can also use that tiny audience on Instagram. So it's not a bad gig for, you know, 16 to 18 year olds. How does uh, an influencer charge? How do you establish oh, what your rates are? gosh. This is like the age old question. And I'm actually, I've been speaking to a couple of my friends on the PR side this week, actually about this, because it used to be that every 100,000 followers you had, you could charge $1,000 for a post. Mm -hmm. Then Instagram changed the algorithm to no longer be chronological. And now it's based on like the last few posts that you've liked from, you know, 10, 15 people, just like Facebook is. So if you haven't liked Joe's post from high school, you're never going to see Joe on your feed even though you're friends or you follow each other. So now we're in this element where your audience is maybe only 30 to 50, maybe 60% of your actual audience. So Hmm. it's really tricky to actually charge for that because why would a brand pay for you having 600,000 followers if only 300,000 actually see your posts. Mm -hmm. And that's really why I think with a lot of the changes Instagram has made, I do believe they want to make some more money off of the fact that millions and billions of dollars have been made using their platform, but they've gotten zero dollars (laughs) and zero cents from those collaborations. And that's why they're making it harder and harder because they want you to use their platform in order to make the money. So I've always brainstormed that maybe there would be some kind of tiered level. So maybe you could, be, you could pay $20 a month to be a creator to use their platform or something yes. like that where there's a system where maybe more of your audience can actually see your posts. Or it could just be that they want you to spend your marketing and advertising dollars on their platform. So there's been a couple different things that I feel like maybe that's what Instagram's doing, but it's always hard to guess
0: because <laughs> you never know. It could change next week. How do you feel that people respond when you say you're an influencer, like your friends or family? Honestly, I
1: don't even say influencer anymore. Well, all of them are still surprised, there's a lot of questions. Like, yes, a lot of my family still asks, like, who pays you? you know? <laughs> yeah, or is it through ADP? Like, how do you get a? Pay do you have an agent? Their platform, sort of. <laughs> I have a couple different agents for different okay. things. I have like a travel agent. I have my business manager who's like my day-to-day assistant and then someone who books me for more beauty and fashion brands. So are they going out
0: finding you work and bookings? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And do you also pitch yourself
1: as well to people? I do. And by me pitching myself, that's just my day-to-day assistant pitching me. So she takes the lead on those because there is an element to this where if you're pitching yourself from a PR or a brand's perspective, you're not a big enough deal, you need to have somebody represent you and actually believe in you in order for them to take you seriously. But also they know that that person has to make sometimes 10 to 20% of those deals. So they know that you're not playing around. There's no games here. You need to actually come with like an actual number rather Mm -hmm. than, you know, like you said earlier, if they're pitching us, like you can't just say we want free products. If there's an agent involved, the agent has to make money. So I think you're taken a bit more seriously and I've been in and out of it for seven years now, and I've seen pros and cons to both. But mm-hmm. pitching does take a lot of time, and it's nicer when someone else is doing it for you. Mm-hmm. 100%.
0: So back when you started getting a lot of followers, what was the change that you made? Like, did you just all of a sudden step up your photo game? That was part of it.
1: And I had about 40,000 followers for like two years in the beginning because, How? well, well, first of all, I couldn't grow. That was really frustrating, but I got to 40,000 because back then all I did was beauty reviews. So I would buy the new oh. eyeshadow palette from Ulta and I would say this new eyeshadow palette from Too Faced or Urban Decay is amazing. The pigmentation, like incredible. You have mm-hmm. to get this. And then I would also do the opposite and say, this was a $45 palette. It's a complete waste of your money. I'm going to go try to return it tomorrow. <laughs> and so people would be like, were you able to return it? Can I return mine? Cause I also bought it last week and I hate it. Yeah, And I was like, yeah, I was able to return it. Just tell them like it gave you an allergic reaction. You know, like I would basically give people tips on this is really good or this is really bad. That's how I ended up getting to like 40,000 followers. And that was only with flat lace. So I would take, I'm showing you. (laughs) I would take just products and I would put flowers and I would put like my laptop and a glass of wine and a book and I would just create these amazing images of the products. And that's where I was stuck at 40,000. And I thought, what do I need to do to get to the next level? Because I want to get to 50,000. And back then, 40,000 was a big deal but nobody was paying anybody with 40,000 followers because influencer marketing was still way too new. They were yes. really only paying people who had half a million, a million followers on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, let me just see if I actually put this makeup on my face and you know use the blush. Can this perform better than just me showing products? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I started, I think... The first few times I was asking my coworkers I was like can we like go for a walk and like I'll use this wall and you just like take a photo of me and they were always willing to do it. I made some of my like really good friends today by taking <laughs> long walks and being like okay this wall let's try this wall. And then it just started to grow more and more then because I realized that photos with people and humans always perform better than inanimate uh, objects unless it's I mean an inanimate object would be you know, products and your desk and your office, and mm-hmm. they just don't perform as well because there is no human connection. Mm-hmm. And I studied psych in college and I kind of like went back to some of my old textbooks and I was trying to like read about what is it about other humans and people in the image that makes you feel mm-hmm. like you want to support the photo more. And it's basically the fact that we are all wanting like a connection. We want to see humans. We want to see Like, what does it actually look like on a person? Like, I don't Mm want to just see the color of the blush because that color does nothing for me. But if I see your complexion and I see the blush on you, okay, maybe that's a little too red for me or okay, maybe it's the Mm -hmm. perfect pink shade for me. So that really started to change the game then. And then I think I made it to like 100,000 and I was like, woohoo, I'm at six numbers. This is great. Or what is it? Five zeros. (laughs) It's like, this is so exciting. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to make it. And again, when I hit 100,000, nobody was getting paid for this yet. It was still so new and brands didn't have money. Now brands every year in their marketing plan is putting more and more money hmm. behind influencers. Interesting. So as I grew, I was just like, okay, like I don't know what point I'm gonna grow to like I can actually like make this a job. And that's when I started realizing in 2016, brands had smartened up, they had moved marketing dollars directly yes. over into influencer marketing. And I thought, okay, I'm getting a lot of deals here. There's a lot of platforms and like agencies doing this. So it's possible. Mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, obviously you get approached by products and brands that you probably aren't the biggest fan of. At what point do you say, you know, this is a job. I'm just going to bite my time, promote this product. And how do you decide, you know, when do you stick to who you are and being authentic?
1: So I can truly say I've never taken a deal of a product that I didn't actually use or love myself. Mm-hmm. And when I had the corporate job, I really had no reason to. I was like, I'm getting a paycheck. I don't need yeah. to, you know, take this random like tooth whitening thing that's probably not going to work and make my teeth super yes. sensitive. I don't need to take that because I don't need the money. The charcoal and craze. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will say. There are really good toothpaste, and I do love toothpaste, but I think the whitening, I've tried a couple, they make my teeth so sensitive. It hurts to eat for like three days. Yes. So I knew when a lot of those like smile, whatever clubs and put the whitening, I was like, no, not going to do it. Not going to be me. So every time I got approached, I just said, so sorry, it's just not a good brand fit move on, you know, and there are a lot of times and there are some amazing brands that I work with today that have just been so great. They give me products to do giveaways, especially with the holidays coming up. I really want that free product because it's better on my side of things because I don't Mm -hmm. have to spend the money for it. It's nice when they gift it, but some of them just don't have a budget. And it really does stink in the long term because Mm -hmm. there's some brands that I've supported for three, four years because I genuinely love them. And I always think, okay, They grew from influencers. They're growing, they're growing, they're growing. When are they gonna grow enough to like actually be able to pay for some of this work and like pay to buy my images, Mm -hmm. etc.? And sometimes it doesn't happen and sometimes it does. And this year was the first year that a brand that I've supported for the last three years finally came through and said, We have the budget, we can pay your rates. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like (laughs) this actually worked out for me. Wow. And it's a brand I've used for three years. I love their product. And so It does work out sometimes, but I also feel like you can definitely get taken advantage of as well. And that's why a lot of people who are in the million plus range never even play those games. Like you can't get a free promotion out of them to save your life because their agent would rather rip your head off than have them do any free work. And so there is this element of I had supported two really big brands here in the US for a long time, since back in 2013. And they ended up picking ambassadors. They had a whole program. Everyone had exclusive contracts with them and they didn't pick me after they had told me they would. So there's wow. a lot of empty promises, but I also understand like it was probably my fault for doing free work at the same time, because why on earth would someone pay you after you did you Like if you, they come fix yeah. your toilet for free, like why on earth would you pay them the yeah. next time your toilet breaks? <laughs> Again, it's psychological game. So yeah. I've decided that I'm probably not going to do anything for
0: free. think that those brands would be afraid to do that just because of the network that you have, like you could put it out there to everyone.
1: But see, that's the other thing too. If I do that, it makes me look bad to other brands. Mm -hmm. They may be afraid to work Mm -hmm. with me if I'm such a loud mouth and I'm saying, oh, XYZ didn't pay me. Mm-hmm. or X, Y, Z did this and did me dirty, then they're going to say, well, she's going to do that to us next. Mm-hmm. So there is an element to it where brands do get away with that. And I did have one instance where a brand actually decided that they weren't going to pay me the second 50% of the payment. We had a contract with wow. everything. And they said, no, we actually feel like the work that you did is only worth half. <gasps> and I was like, that's not how contracts work. Uh-huh. So <laughs> what know, did like, you do? Well, I just had my lawyer reach out to them, and as soon as you send a lawyer's letter on letterhead, yeah. they get a response right away. I think I got a PayPal like payment within the hour. Oh because wow! Because as soon as you involve somebody like that, they're not playing games. The thing is, though, a lot of this like shady stuff on the brand side did happen. I would say in the two thousand thirteen to like sixteen seventeen phase now they don't really play those games anymore because they know how serious it is and they don't want to deal with the legal fees. But in Mm -hmm. 2014, little old me with 40,000 followers, they probably assumed I didn't have an attorney, Mm -hmm. but hey, I also have a corporate job so I can afford an attorney if I need to have one, you know, in the moment. And I think Mm -hmm. that would scare anybody. If you get a letter, you're like, oh, oh, she's got an attorney.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So if you were going to give someone your top tips, to grow their following what would you say they are
1: top tips to grow following i would say growing the following i think you do need to use hashtag but not 100 okay. yes.
0: <laughs> i think you
1: need to use some of the most common ones but you also want to make sure that the hashtag doesn't have like a large amount of posts because mm-hmm. it's impossible to find your post that way so you need okay. something that has like twenty thousand posts mm-hmm. with a hashtag not 5 million because yes. it's 5 million nobody will find your photo I am a big advocate of giveaways and partnering up with some of your favorite girls. Um, the thing that I've seen a lot on social media lately is four to six girls will all jump in together for like $300, $400, $500 gift card, whether it's for Christmas trees or for the holidays or for like a Nordstrom shopping spree. Mm-hmm. Partner up with like-size influencers who do some of the similar things that you do. Maybe they're you know sharing their outfits, maybe they're sharing beauty. Partner up use each other to build each other up. I'm all about women supporting women. I always have been. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great way to grow. And then again, just giveaways on your own, do something by yourself, give away a box of beauty, give away a hundred dollar gift card to target, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. those always help. And then there's also a lot of Facebook social networking groups, depending on if you're a mommy blogger, if you're like a lifestyle blogger, if you know, you're a foodie or a chef, or if you're just super into fashion, there is literally a Facebook group for everything because so many people want to connect and you can help support each other. You throw and bounce ideas off of each other. You can (laughs) even do meetups locally. So I think that's been really nice. And the other thing too, is I always find it so important for anyone who wants to be an influencer to have their location and their contact information in their bio. So many girls do not have their email address in their bio. Mm -hmm. How is a brand supposed to reach out to you? They have five Mm -hmm. seconds. They're not going to your blog and then going to your about contact me page, like going through this. I've noticed that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to have your email address in that bio and then your location, because if they're looking to find 10 girls in Phoenix, Arizona, or Los Angeles, and you have no location, you're getting passed up just because you're not convenient for them. And again, Mm -hmm. these agencies are getting hit up. There's a lot of people doing this now. It's really hard to stand out, and it's really hard how do you stand to out? find you. It's very hard to stand out. I think the biggest thing I've seen in terms of people who truly stand out is sharing a message that is different from what everybody else is sharing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how familiar you are with the fashion world here in the US, but we <laughs> have two different spectrums. We've got this fast fashion, $5 $10 sale, yep. everyday find and there's a lot of girls doing that. A lot it's a lot of college girls, it's a lot of under 25 girls, especially in the south. So we've got so many girls doing that. It's hard to jump into that today and be like, I'm going to share the best Amazon finds. I'm like there's literally 5,000 girls already doing it. making <laughs> a killing off of that people oh, wow. go to them and rely to them on those but they're all fast fashion. It's like the new $5 t-shirt that's probably going to rip after one wear. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of the fashion world is the luxury. And that's a very hard industry to get into for obvious reasons. It's obviously going to be a lot harder because those brands are looking for the six foot model. They want an influencer who is going to look good in their clothes. Their clothes are usually a size zero, two, or four, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. So Someone even in my size who's a six or eight is not going to fit into some of their clothing and Mm -hmm. they want their clothing to look incredible. So there's two completely different markets and it's just very competitive now to stand out because what are you going to post that's not an outfit post? The girls who have done a really good job are the ones who are using travel and the destination and backdrop around them to promote the clothing. And there's a lot of girls who wear the most amazing dress from like Bulgari or Gucci or whatever. And that tail of the dress is just hanging out on like these beautiful steps in New York city, mm-hmm. you know, at the public library or, you know, they're, they look like they're going to the Met Gala, but they're not, but those photos are inspiring, but that's really all they are. They're inspiring. They're not really sales driven. It's really to Open up your mind to more of these brands, give them exposure and think, oh wow, that's a really beautiful bulk. dress. Like mm-hmm. I wish I had that. So it's been very interesting, but it is very hard to stand out because I... the posts that seems to perform really well are those selfie, like near selfies. Yes. In the fast fashion side. I'm like this girl doesn't need to leave her house and she's making a hundred grand a year. I don't understand. <laughs> yes, I don't get it. I know. I've noticed that too. I'll I'll
0: do this big elaborate photo shoot and then I'll take a selfie and it's like the selfie converts
1: <laughs> so much more than it's the more relatable. <laughs> it's so much more relatable and then it does make me a little crazy sometimes because again, <laughs> yeah, I'm investing in these photo shoots. I'm investing all yes. you know, this time. You plan like five, 10 outfits. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I look so gorgeous. And then I take a freaking mirror selfie and more people like that. And they're like, you look so cute. Do you have a message? I have a lot of mixed messages, I think, <laughs> because there's so much I talk about. And I actually just updated my bio this week to kind of explain what I talk about because mm-hmm. people have been confused. And really, I I would say I'm a, I think what I wrote was like a traveling Skincare crazed fashionista. So I travel a lot. I share my tips when I travel. I share the do's and don'ts, the things I recommend. I share the experience of the trip. I love skincare. I'm always recommending skincare. That is really where my personal forte lies. I can't sit here and tell you I know how to do a cat eye, but I can tell you the best serums for your skin. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that I love this cleanser. It's worked really well. I know about a lot of medical body contouring procedures as well. Like sculpting and the m-sculpt and all this oh. um and then I'm also obviously a fashion person I love putting pieces together and I think fashion is really it's up to whoever it is like fashion can be anything mm-hmm. and when you go to a certain fashion weeks you see that literally fashion can be anything <laughs> There's People yeah. who show up in onesies and some people mm-hmm. who are in a bathing suit and you're like garbage bags yeah garbage, garbage bags, bags. It, it is what you make it and I think that's why fashion is also so fun But the reason I added fashion is because I saw people were liking the photos of me more than the photos of Mm things, So I had to make that transition. So now it's like, if I'm using a skincare product, I'm in the photo using it versus Mm -hmm. here's the skincare product, (laughs) you know? So now where can people find more about you? People can find more about me on my blog, which is attitude.com and it's spelled Mm A-D-A-A-T-U-D-E.com. When I first started, I could not get just the single A in the middle <laughs> because it would have been perfect. It was TUDE, but had to add that second A to make it ADAA TUDE. But I spent a lot of time on Instagram pretty much all day, every day. And then the blog is updated very regularly. I've got years and years of posts on there, lots Amazing. of advice, lots of product information, all of that good stuff.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much. These have been some phenomenal tips. Yeah.
1: It's been really fun chatting. I can talk about social media all day. <laughs> oh, well, thank Thanks you so for much. for having me on.